Good evening. It's good to have this number back out with us for our evening worship service. And if you have your Bibles, be opening up with me to my bookmark over here in Matthew. We're going to talk about the parable of the wheat and tares. We have a uh, we have a leg up on the wheat and tares in verses 24 through 30. There, the, the parable is given. Actually, we get an explanation of the parable of wheat and tares in verses 36 through 49. But we're going to read. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, watch out. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. It, it is a little helpful if you know which chapter we're in, right? Right, right book, wrong chapter, just unknown. <laughs> Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 24, with the parable of the wheat and tares. We were, we remind or we remind ourselves about this parable and, and the purpose of it, and it's it's reflection for us even today, as the Christ is teaching a wonderful lesson to those hearers, and of course to us today as well. So, what was the purpose of the representation of wheat and tares? All right, the wheat was going to be, of course, gathered into barns, and the tares were useless except for to generate heat from a fire. So we need to remember that as we go through this parable, as this parable was being taught, the usefulness of the wheat and the uselessness of the tares. When Christ gives this parable, of course, he starts in verse 24. <clears throat> and another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First, gather together the tares and bind them into bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barns. What a wonderful lesson Christ is teaching here. As disciples, we have to be in the world with lost souls. We have to be. So whenever we read this, the, the, the wheat is the disciples. The wheat is the ones that hear the word, accept the word, and are obedient to God's commands. But we see a, a field being sowed with good seed. That man is Jesus Christ. So as Christ has sowed the good seed, and as we accept that good seed, we become wheat. But unfortunately, there are those out there who do not receive the word, who reject Christ's teachings, reject his examples. That idea does not come from God. Does not. It comes from God's enemy. We, we do remember who God's enemy is, right? Satan. Satan is the originator of the tares in this parable. 
But then the question was brought up. Well, then what, what did you not sow good seed? Why, why, what forth did the, did the tares come from? Where, where did they come from? The man who sowed the field, Jesus says, an enemy has done this. We see the, not necessarily purpose, we see the cause of an enemy, right? We see the cause of Satan. We see what it brings forth from the works of Satan. An enemy. Jesus calls him an enemy. Why would Jesus call Satan an enemy? Because he pulls people away from God. He misleads people and turns them away from God. He doesn't allow them to hear the word where he shuts their ears and he blinds them so they do not hear nor understand the word. But we didn't look at God's position in all this as well. Some questions have been arose across the internet, if you will. Why does God allow bad things happen to people? Why, why does he allow it to happen? And at first you think that's a really good question of someone who is ignorant according to scriptures. And when I say ignorant, I mean just sheer lack of knowledge. I'm not trying to put down anybody. They don't, they don't understand where, the reason why bad things happen to people is not from God. It's from Satan and all of his evil works. We see the outcome of the tares at the end of this parable. We're going to get there. But first off, let's look at the outcome of being the wheat. To be gathered together into the barn. Being useful in the kingdom of God. Being useful in our everyday Christian duties. In, in, in Jimmy's prayer, to, to, be, to be encouraged by the word, to be useful in the kingdom of God. But something is not actually being said, what actually happens here upon this earth. What's being taught there is someone who is a tear will continue to be a tear. Folks, I was a tear at one time. I was. I was useless in the kingdom of God. For I rejected his teachings. I rejected Christ's example. If I was not, if I was ignorant according to my to the scriptures and my instructions. But then I become aware of what God would have me to do. As each, one, each and every one of us who are obedient to that command has done so. We're no longer tares, we have become wheat. For that sow, that seed was planted, and we become obedient to that command. No longer rejecting, no longer rebelling, no longer going our own ways, but according to the scriptures. And I can say that with a smile on my face. And my mind goes back to the first century Christians. How tough they had it. But yet still they were obedient to a heavenly father. Even some to the point of death. But yet the scriptures do tell us. For, if, for Jesus says, for if you are killed for my name's sake, blessed are you. You have your reward in heaven. When we remain faithful, when we receive that good seed, when we upon the day of reaping, when we are those wheat as we should be, that obedient, useful crop gathered together in God's barn. You know what that God's barn is a representation of, folks? That's heaven. 
But something, but, but a question was brought up in this parable. A, a question was brought up about the, the ones who did the, uh, the workers of the field. Well, let's, let us just go out and take those tares out of that field. The master says, no, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't do that because you may uproot the, the wheat. You may uproot the ones who are, who are there. And what a wonderful example. <clears throat> How do we encourage the lost as Christians? How do we do that? Of course, we say that time and time again with love. And that's how we encourage folks, with love. But if we do it in a harsh manner, that's the example of saying, now you're not even going to, you're not even going to hear to it. You're not even worthy of the gospel. What? That's what we tell folks when we refuse to give them the gospel, refuse to bring light to their, uh, to their wickedness and to their darkness. Remove them altogether from the opportunity of hearing the message. In doing so, we remove our own roots. We destroy ourselves by being that respecter of persons to say that person's not worth the gospel. That person ain't never going to respond. He, he or she won't never be baptized. We can't say that. I don't have that authority. You don't have that authority. As Christians, it is our duty to go out and teach the gospel. To be those examples that Christ would continue to live out in your life. For the, for the gospel even teaches it's no longer us living, it's Christ living in us. Can we honestly say that about ourselves? I hope we can. Because in doing so, we become wheat. And in this parable, what's the outcome of the wheat? As they remain with the tares and as both grow up on the day of reaping. In verse 30. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in the bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. This day of reaping, this day of harvest is our picture of judgment day. Where all shall be called and every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Christ is Lord. And God is Father of all. You and I will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of all the things we have done, whether good or bad. And I honestly hope that it is good according to God's Word. Because if it's good, we have a reward. In this parable, as you are wheat to gather together into the barn, so, well, that's, that's not that great. That's about the best thing that we can get. In the context of this parable, you have two options. Two. There's no middle ground. There's no uh, picking and choosing. There's there's no other alternate. No, there's two. The fiery furnace gathered together to be burned, or in the barn, in the Father's barn.
We're going to get there, Mark. We're, we're fixing to get there. We're going to read that and confirm what I'm teaching you. <laughs> so we think about ourselves. We think about ourselves out there in the field. You ever consider yourself in a field? That's right. We had better decipher ourselves in the field because the field is the world. The, the seed that's being sold is the word. And as we are receiving that seed, it will become crop. You're either a wheat or you're a tear. You're either obedient to God's commands or you are not. We've been warned of being lukewarm. Christ says he'll spew you out of his mouth. That doesn't sound like someone who loves him. That still does not sound like someone who is following his commands to the letter. Let's make sure we're obedient to all of his commands. Because <coughs> if we're lacking in any one degree, we're lacking across the board. If we're sinning in any one particular sin, we're sinning across the board. If we're guilty of one, we're guilty of all of it. So we see in verses 24 through 30, we see the representation of wheat and we see the, the representation of tares. We see where the wheat comes from. We see that the wheat comes from good grain that's being sowed. And we see that the tares come from the enemy. We're going to see who that enemy is. And if we look across the board, if we look out there in the world, we can see the tares growing. Right along with us. But this day of reaping is coming. We don't always stay in the field. So advance with me. To Matthew chapter 13. Starting in verse 36. Then the Jesus sent the multitudes away. And went into, his, into the house. And his disciples came to him saying. Explain to us the parable of the tares and of, of the field. He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out his kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So they asked for an explanation. And there it was. Does that not sound familiar with exact echoes to what I just said? We need to remember something. When Christ was teaching a, through a parable, he talked through a parable for those who are understanding of that parable to be able to understand what he's talking about. His disciples really didn't grasp the idea. 
Not, not at the time. But after that explanation, all doubt had been removed. All doubt had been removed. So, as we go back to verse 37, he who sows the good seed is the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ started his ministry, immediately after his baptism, what was he teaching? He was teaching the kingdom of God. He was teaching us how to be respecters of God. He taught us how to live. He taught us how to treat one another. He taught us the way that we should speak. He gave us some specific instructions on how we are to behave in the kingdom of God. He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. That's Jesus Christ. Keep that in mind. So whenever Christ started his ministry, giving us our example, it is up for people then, now, and in the future to adhere to those teachings. He ain't going to force you. He's not going to force you. He didn't force those when he was walking around, did he? He gave them an option. He made them, allowed them to have a choice. The words might comes to mind. Or maybe. An opportunity. All these words come to mind when we think about the teachings of God and Christ sowing that good seed. The field is the world. The field is the world. So if we look at the world, we can see wickedness. And we look really hard, we can see righteousness. Right? We, we, can, we can see that. As we sit here amongst fellow disciples, brothers and sisters in Christ, as we sit here amongst one another, we can see righteousness very easily. But when we're separate, when we're out there in the world, in our, in, in our homes, in our, well, I wouldn't say jobs, but most of y'all are retired. But some folks are hearing this message say we're out there in our jobs, we're amongst lost folks, we are in the world with tares. We're in amongst folks who are performing wickedness. Now keep in mind, we're just in the scope of this parable. We have our duties as Christians, as children of light. Children of light is going to be revealing the wickedness that is around us, right? You might think of a, of a, of a wheat plant just sitting there in the field, just growing and blowing around in the wind, right? That sounds like pretty idle. That sounds like pretty much doing nothing. Uh, I believe we've got to read the rest of the Bible to pay attention to what a, what a child of God is supposed to be doing. The representation here are the two. One of God's people and those who are of Satan's people. The two. The field is the world. The good seed are the sons of the kingdom. That good seed. Those who receive the word. Those who adhere to it. Let the word change their life. Let God direct you in your path. Not the other person. Not, not the other being, but God. As God directs our path, we accept His instructions and we do those instructions to the best of our ability, being that sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons 
of the wicked one. Boy, hold up just a minute. What are you saying, Jesus? Are you saying that those who are performing wicked acts are of the devil and they are his sons? Is exactly what he's saying. A little bit later, Paul calls them uh, sons of disobedience. But Jesus says, sons of the wicked one. How do we see ourselves in this room? Do we see ourselves as sons of God? Sons of the kingdom? Well, I hope we don't see ourselves as sons of the wicked one. Because if you're a son of the wicked one, we see the outcome of the tares. We see the outcome and the and their destination or their promise from God. And that horrible judgment scene where you're gathered together to be burned. So turn away from your wicked state. Turn away from the things that would cause you to be gathered together to be burned. And come to the, the light side. Come to being a child of the kingdom of God. The enemy who sowed them is the devil in verse 39. <laughs> we can see the workings of the devil. Can we not? We can see the workings of the devil. We can see the workings of the devil just in our attendance number. We see the workings of the devil through the iniquities of the world. We can see the workings of the devil of those who have just turned their backs completely on God. Do you think he's actively working right now? The devil, that is? You had better believe it. He's actively working on you right now. He's actively trying to pull you away from God. And he's actively trying to keep you away from God. So be honest with yourself. Would you rather be a son of God or a son of Satan on judgment day? Jesus is trying to get a point here. He's trying to get a point across to these disciples and those who are hearing this message. I believe we're hearing it this evening. Make sure you're not of the wicked one. Because look at the works of the devil. Just look at it. From the beginning, he was a murderer. Y'all do remember what Jesus, what Jesus, what God told Adam and Eve, right? On the day you partake of that fruit, you shall surely die. Yeah, right? So it wasn't from God. That death wasn't from God, now was it? He didn't force them to partake of that fruit. Eve, that's right. He commanded them, don't do it. And old Satan comes along as disguised as a serpent. Turn their eyes to look at it. Hey, that looks pretty good to eat. Oh, you shall surely not die. Oh, that, that God don't know what he's talking about. On that day, your eyes will be open and you'll, and you'll be like him, discerning good and evil. And look at us today. Look at the world. Slowly progressing toward iniquity. Slowly progressing toward wickedness. We can see Satan. He's got, his, he's got his hooks into the world. He's still sowing those tares. 
He's still God's enemy. He needs to be our enemy. And I hope he is. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. Judgment day, where all things burned up, where those who are remain have nowhere to go, so therefore they have to either go into the lake of fire or into a place of eternal bliss with God. Two destinations, right? So we see wheat and we see tares. It's two. So we see destinations, either a lake of fire or eternal happiness with God. Two. There's no waiting period. There's no coming back to earth. The earth is gone. The scriptures tell us that the it's all gone. It's all, the elements themselves melt with a fervent heat. It's going to be gone. For the first time, he destroyed it by water. He made a promise, did he not, when he sent his rainbow in the sky, which is something that's been completely torn away. That was God's promise, that he won't destroy it again by water. But he will destroy it one final time. When he's fed up, and he's done with mankind's iniquity, and he says, go gather those who are yours. Because he says it right here, does it not? The, the reapers are the angels. So angels have one final purpose, not to be God's messengers, but to be God's reapers. Discerning those from the left and the right. Those who are faithful into the barn, right? Into heaven. Or those who are full of iniquity and trespassing against God's instructions. His enemy. Cast into outer fire or furnace of fire where they'll be weeping and nailing and washing up milling well, wailing and gnashing of teeth. I got them, my dyslexia really kicked in. Wailing and gnashing of teeth. We heard that a weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's going to be sadness. There's going to be anger. We made mention of that this morning in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. Remember that? Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. <coughs> There's going to be folks who are angry. I mean, you know, I mean, I've been misled my whole spiritual life. I've been told a lie and I was following the lies. Exactly what's going to be revealed. It's exactly what's revealed. So make sure. Just like what we did here, right? Make sure in verses 24 through 30 we understand what the scriptures say. And of course here we're very lucky with this parable. Christ explicitly explains what he says. Make sure your understanding and the true understanding and meaning of the scriptures are the same. They need to be the same. Because if they're different, you may find yourself in the in the gnashing of teeth era. So make sure you are following God's instructions. So the reapers and the angels, the angels that gather together those who are wicked and full of iniquity to gather them together to be separated, cast into the, the fiery furnace. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of this age. Depart from it, you workers of iniquity. That's all I got to say. The outcome of that, 
eternal pain and suffering. Because there is no repentance in hell fire. It's not. And the world, I, I don't think, mankind doesn't grasp the gravity of that. We don't. It should terrify us to know that that place exists. It should terrify mankind that it's those who are of the terror, those who are full of iniquity and going their own way, not following God's commands. That church thing, I don't need that. That should terrify them. They don't grasp the gravity of it. They like to think of God as the everlasting loving God. Well, He is. He is. He loves us enough to be obedient to His own instructions. He won't never lie to us. He has yet to do so. And He will not. So when He says that there's an outcome for those tares, this parable, we need to make sure we're not tares. We'll make sure we're wheat. Let's make sure we're the children of the kingdom. The Son of Man will send out His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. Jesus plainly says it. He plainly says those who offend. Offend whom? God. I said, well, I don't offend God. <laughs> Do you really not offend God? Well, let's think about what God has done for you. Let's think about that real quick. What, 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 is, what has God really done for you? <laughs> He's created a place for you. Well, there's no death, no pain, no suffering, no tears. That's a place He has set aside for you. It's there and waiting for you right now. For as Christ left His disciples in John chapter 14, he says, I go on to prepare a place for you. For there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would tell you so. We think about that place that exists from God. That's his barn. That's his barn. But unfortunately, they are those who offend God. Don't recognize what he has actually done for them. Past tense. Not future tense, past tense. He gave a portion of himself for them. He took on something he hates. He hates sin. He took it on. And died on that cross. For us. For people. For mankind. He died once for all. Christ did. That's what God's done for you. And when you refuse. His teachings. When you refuse his instructions. You make yourself his enemy. And you offend him. That's why it says those who offend. Gather out of his kingdom all things that offend. And those who practice lawlessness. We, we can see lawlessness, right? We can think, well, no, we've never actually seen lawlessness. But think back to uh, the beginning of this country where people running rampant. Just doing whatever they want to do. The laws really hadn't been put in effect yet. We can read about those in history books, right? 
what's, like, what's a history book, right? We don't teach that anymore in high school, sadly enough. <coughs> All right, never mind. We can learn about those things in history books. The Wild West, right? People running rampant. There was no control over anybody. That's, that's what lawlessness looks like. Aren't we thankful that we have laws in place today? And the results of breaking those laws, those folks are still out there. Consider them criminals, right? Those who break the law. Those who are without law. Well, that's what lawlessness, lawlessness is, is. I've got this, God. I, I don't need your instructions. I've got this. I'm directing my own life. Does that not sound like lawlessness? It's exactly what Jesus is talking about. Not those who obey the law. Not those who understand what the law is and don't do it. Lawlessness is those I don't even understand what it is. I've got this. I'm happy where I am. That's what lawlessness looks like in the eyes of God. And they look like tares. They're in the same boat as those who understand what they would need to do and they don't do it. So we need to look at ourselves. We need to do an examination of our everyday walk of life. And as we are in the kingdom, as children of God, do we look like wheat? Because if we don't look like wheat, we're the other. Right? If we're not hearing those things that Christ tells us to do and doing those things, keep in mind this morning about the man building his house on the sand. Hearing what he does, that's too much, Christ. I'm not going to do that. You're building your house on the sand and that house is going to fall. It's going to be a great fall. Here in this parable, you're a tear and you're going to be gathered together to be burned. Cast into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That fiery furnace that's designed to punish Satan, his angels, and all those who are not found in the book of life. So my encouragement tonight be that tear. Be that one who is of the kingdom, listening to God's commands and doing those things that's pleasing to God, not to offend, but to make Him proud of what you are doing, to say that he or she understands what they would have to do and they are doing it. They are my children. That's what God says. How many of you have children that you're proud of? How many of you have grandchildren that you're proud of? You're proud of them little folks, right? Or young folks, rather. That's how God sees His children. He's proud of them. So my encouragement tonight, if you are not a child of God, if you need mercy, you need baptism, don't wait, don't hesitate. Because Judgment Day, this time, this day of the end of days, end of the age, is coming. And we need to be prepared. We need to be a wheat. We need to be ready to be gathered together into God's barn, that is heaven, and not the other place. And that's where it all starts is immersion for the remission of sins. So many of us in here tonight, all of us in here tonight in the audience has done so. But have you taken that short walk to Satan? Have you kind of tiptoed in the uh, offend area and done some things that's displeasing the eyes of God? Turn away from those things. Have nothing to do with those things that offend God and don't be partaking of any type of lawlessness. Continue to be a tear. Continue to be a wheat. Have nothing to do with a tear. 
So you can hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joys of your Lord. You've been over a faithful over a few things, I will make you a master over many to gather together into God's barn. Does that need to happen to go from a tear to a week tonight? Why don't we do so as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation?